the 2023 draft officially in the books for the Baltimore Ravens. And that, of course, means we have to answer some questions about what this team could be ahead of the 2023 season. We answer Baltimore's biggest post-draft questions here, getting into the cornerback situation, the pass rushing situation, talking about Lamar Jackson and so much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. We return here. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we are here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Thank you so much for being here with us, making us your first listen each and every day. Free and available, all podcasting platforms here, including over in video form on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe for free, both in audio form and in video form. It is the same show. We're a five day a week Ravens podcast here. So any Ravens news you need, Ravens analysis, updates, we have it here for you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, and any other live streams we do on big news breaks. We'll do postcast after games. Starting in the 2023 season, so an exciting time here. We're also at the time of this recording, only five subscribers away from 4,000 on YouTube. So thank you for all the support here. It's another big milestone here for me when we do hit that. So if you want to subscribe and be a part of that and and help me reach 4K, I I would love that on YouTube. And if you want to tell a friend or a family member that we're here giving out Ravens content, if they want a Ravens perspective on things or just a daily Ravens show to tune into, we're here for you and here for them on Locked on Ravens. We have a lot to talk about today. Ravens had their 2023 draft end on Saturday. Six picks, a very solid undrafted for agent class as well, but that doesn't mean there are still questions that have to be answered about the team. It's not like there are none left. We still have plenty to talk about in terms of that, where the Ravens' weaknesses are, how they could address that moving forward, and just where guys will be either at the start of the 2023 season maybe even a little before that. So in the first segment, we'll get into more of the smaller questions about this team, you know, some about the offensive line, a little bit about Lamar. And then we'll get to the bit, we'll get to the good stuff in the second segment. That's my incentive to have you stick around and tune in for that second segment. We'll get to the meat of those questions and answer those in the second segment. Then in the final segment, We'll be getting into a bit more about Lamar's contract situation. We'll also talk a bit more about Patrick Queen, which we talked at length about yesterday with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore beat down at Exit 52, so be sure to check that out. So without further ado, let's get into this jam-packed episode here on Locked on Ravens. Starting off with the smaller questions, and I do think that one of them is just how's Lamar's contract going to look. I know that, you know, and again, you might classify this as a bigger question, and then the question I put in the second segment, you might think, oh, that's, that's a smaller question. I don't know why that's in here. But to me, I think it is important to kind of figure out what Lamar's contract situation is going to be here. We know it's five years. You know, it's $260 million. You know, it's 185 guaranteed. But what's the structure? What's the cap looking like? Are there any incentives on that? You know, guaranteed at signing money as well. I don't think that's been released at the time of this recording. That is going to have to come out at some point. Obviously, Lamar hasn't necessarily signed the dotted line yet. He's obviously agreed to terms. But once we get those numbers, I think that will in turn answer some questions for us about the rest of this Ravens roster, how they can maneuver it over the course of either the rest of this offseason, moving ahead to next season. So you have those questions still with Lamar's contract. Not that he's, you know, the question of if he's going to stay in Baltimore or not is, is no more. He's obviously in, in, in it here in Baltimore for the next five years, thankfully. 
but just how that structure is going to look. We know some of the general aspects of it, but when you get down to, to the nitty gritty, that's what I'm really interested in here as well. I, th- I think another question for me would be how is Todd Munkin's offense truly going to look with these pieces? I mean, again, I think it's also a big question, but I'm, I'm just putting it in this segment for now to talk a little bit, kind of piggybacking off of the Lamar stuff. How's he going to look in a non-Greg Roman offense? How is this offense going to look in a non-Greg Roman offense? I know so many people, myself included, would have probably felt robbed if we didn't see Lamar Jackson in a Ravens uniform in a non-Greg Roman offense. Obviously taking out the back half of his rookie year in 2018, still Marty Morningweg. But the thing with Todd Munkin that gets so many people excited is the fact that he can utilize his players in the ways they're supposed to be utilized. He doesn't necessarily force one guy to do too much, do something that's not in his skill set. He gets the best out of his players by using them in the ways they're supposed to be used. So, for example, for Patrick Ricard and kind of what role he could have on this team with Todd Munkin, Greg Roman was having him split out split out wide and having him running like tons of routes. I don't think that's Patrick Ricard's game. I think Patrick Ricard can still be a member of this offense, can still be a very good piece for them. I think his role probably does get reduced, but Todd Monk is not going to have him lining out uh, out wide in the slot running routes. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Todd Monk is somebody who likes to throw the football, but we do know the Ravens' ability to run the ball with Lamar Jackson, but that's just the thing. He can utilize Lamar's arm to his advantage. He can utilize Lamar's legs to his advantage. The wide receiver aspect, too. A big question for me that was already answered is, you know, would wide receivers want to come to Baltimore? And the answer is now yes. I think with Greg Roman, obviously, I think this was more of a reflection on Greg Roman as opposed to Lamar Jackson. But just seemed like the Ravens offense under Greg Roman was never going to be a wide receiver-centric offense. The pass offense ran through the tight ends. It was a run-first offense. We knew that. But to me... That question has been answered with Odell Beckham signing here in Baltimore. I know, I know money talks, don't get me wrong, but I still think that was a big move for them. Isaiah Flowers seems excited. I, I think the rest of the offense seems excited with this change as well. And I think when you're continuing to talk about the offensive side of the ball, I think when you're starting to move up into the bigger questions, it becomes who's the left guard going to be. The Ravens had an opportunity to add to that room during the draft. They did. They added two offensive linemen, but Andrew Voorhees isn't going to be ready and, you know, the other guy they took in Salah from Oregon is a developmental piece. He can be something moving forward, but I don't think that's this year. So it's really, I feel like, Ben Cleveland's job to lose here. You could also throw maybe Daniel Falele in that conversation if you want to kick him into guard. You could put Patrick McCarry in that opening spot. But I feel like he's better suited as that super sixth guy. There, there are a couple other guys as well that you could maybe – I know John Simpson is someone, former Raiders guard, a Clemson guy who could be in that running. But I think this really is Ben Cleveland's job to lose. Ben Powers obviously goes to Denver. So to me, that's a question because Ben Powers played really well. I think he came out of nowhere, surprised a lot of people, and earned his money, definitely earned his money in Denver with the Broncos. So you have to have somebody step up there as well. And then how are these other pieces going to fit in? I mean, how are you going to use a Nelson Aguilar? To me also, I think a question is Devin DuVernay. How do you use Devin DuVernay in this offense? How do you use Nelson Aguilar? Who's kind of the four? Who's kind of the five? And another one is who's going to be the six wide receiver on this roster? And when you start to get into the nitty-gritty of roster decisions, we'll have a, have an episode dedicated to that later, either a couple weeks, couple months. But when it comes to Dante Demas or James Prochet or Tylen Wallace, et cetera, Shamar Bridges, Who's going to be that sixth guy? I don't think Baltimore keeps seven wide receivers. I think they keep six. So to me, I think their early front runner to me is Dante Demas. If he's able to prove himself in the preseason, the Ravens just don't have that prototypical size or length of that position on their roster. But at the same time, 
I, I do think that maybe the Ravens want to go with a Tyler Wallace because of the special teams ability, or maybe James Prochet. <laughs> James Prochet to me is one of those guys, you know, we, we've seen it time and time again, incredible in the preseason, a training camp star, and then either just doesn't get opportunities or doesn't make the most of his opportunities. So we'll see what happens there. But I think moving over to defense, just to get one defensive question in there before we get into the big stuff, the big, big stuff. Is on the, on the defensive line, I know some people feel very good about it, even with Clayus Campbell's loss. Other people, not so much. <laughs> they don't feel as good about it without Clayus Campbell in there. What I will say is I personally think the defensive line question is more of a long-term one. And by long-term, I mean like after this year, so it's a one-year deal. I think they're fine. I think Campbell's a really big loss, don't get me wrong, but I think they're ultimately fine. When it comes to the defensive line room this year, I think Justin Metabike can't step up. I think Brunswick Washington can play very well. Michael Pierce was a stud for them in those first couple games before going down. So I think he's going to be a really good player for them this year. Travis Jones, I'm expecting a huge year from. He's my breakout pick. I would, it's always me and those breakout defensive linemen. I just met a BK these past couple of years. Now my pick is switching over to Travis Jones, but they're going to need him. They're absolutely going to need him. Then Brent Urban can be a, a quality depth piece for them. Maybe they add a veteran. I think that's a question for them. Could you still add a veteran in that position? They could, but maybe like a Rashad Nichols is someone who they trust. And if they, I mean, I don't think they keep six. I think they keep five. I, I, th- I think they keep their five defensive linemen have a couple guys on the practice squad. You have the inside ability of a guy like Tavius Robinson, which I think works out for them. So I think you can get away with keeping five defensive linemen on this roster and still be okay with the ability to kick some of those outside guys in if you really need to. Coming up in our second segment, we'll be getting into the big stuff, the nitty-gritty questions of that, talking about the cornerback room, which I think is a huge one, also the edge position, and a lot more. So be sure to stay tuned to Tender Live Into on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And I'm a big Nuggets guy. I absolutely jinxed Jamal Murray on yesterday's show. I said he was on fire. And then in game two, he went 0 of 9 for 3, had a, had a terrible game. But the Nuggets still won. They're up 2 to nothing. So if you want to bet four games on that Nuggets series, five, Chris Paul I know is, is probably not going to play in game three or four. FanDuel has great promotions every day. It's a super safe and secure app as well, and you can get paid instantly on those bets. So there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here rocking with you on this midweek edition, Wednesday, May 3rd. And answering Baltimore's biggest post-draft questions. Again, I think although Baltimore did get the Lamar Jackson deal done, they had a pretty good draft in my opinion. I put it like that. B plus a minus range. There are still some questions. We talked about some of the maybe smaller ones in that first segment, but now it's time to get into the juicy stuff, the big questions. And I will preface this first one by saying it feels like for corner, that's where we'll go first. It seems like someone's going to get brought in, whether it is Rocky Essien or Marcus Peters, whenever that happens, it could happen. But by the time you're listening to the show, that move could already have happened. I have no idea. It seems like it's going to come relatively soon. I don't know. But if you're listening to the show and a move has already happened there, I'm sh- I will do a live stream breaking down that move or those moves, whatever they are. So you can tune into that after the fact to get analysis on those moves. We'll talk here as if they're going to do it, you know, when they bring in or if they bring in Rocky Estine or Marcus Peters. The question of corner is who are you playing right now? 
because without Marcus Peters or Rakiesian in there, it's Marlon Humphrey, it's Brandon Stevens, it's Kai Blue Kelly, it's Jalen Armour Davis, it's Pepe Williams, Trayvon Mullen, etc. That there's not a lot of depth there, and definitely not a lot of proven options outside of Marlon Humphrey. So in the event the Ravens do bring in a Rakiesian or a Marcus Peters, I would like either of those moves. I know I know there's a preference for people between well the Ravens should bring in this guy as opposed to that guy. I don't think it hurt for them to bring in both if that were the option. I don't know if they'd announce those signings on the same day. I think they would probably go one and then maybe wait a couple weeks and then do the other. But a Marcus Peters is someone, you know, if they were to make that move, who knows the system. He's been in Baltimore. Obviously, I think loves it with the Ravens. He said that being with the team brought his joy back, and I believe him. And that's somebody who has, has been one of the hearts of that defense over the past couple of seasons. Did have the ACL injury before the year in 2021. And didn't really look great in 2022. You know, I'm not going to say he looked amazing because he didn't. But I do think there is potential for bounce back. I think there are two paths that could go. He could bounce back from the injury. You know, he has the full year under his belt. He's able to play on it and play well in 2023. There's also the instance where he doesn't. And he's just done. And that's what it is. So I think that's a risk you do take if you're the Ravens. I, I'd rather take that risk and have that be the option as opposed to a Brandon Stevens or a Caillou Blue Kelly or any of those guys at this point, then you also have Rocky Yassin. Rocky Yassin is younger. I think for him, he is around the football. He's a physical player too. So there are some like scheme fit stuff where you can maybe question it, but I do think what he brings to the table is fine. Is he going to be a number one corner next to Marlon Humphrey? No, you know, but he can be that two slash three guy. And I think that's where the question becomes, well, it becomes a lot better if it's Marlon Humphrey, Rocky Yassin and Marcus Peters. Like, like those are the three guys that you'd say, fine, you, you can live with that, especially in a secondary that also has Marcus Williams and has Kyle Hamilton. Geno Stone's going to play a role for them this year. That, to me, I think is fine. A question for me that kind of fits into that secondary is who plays in the slot for them? That That's a big one for me. Kyle Hamilton did a really good job there last year as their big nickel, but with Chuck Clark being traded, do the Ravens want to move him to more of a traditional safety role or move him into more of what Clark's role was? That would then open up the slot, and then where do you play that? I think if you bring in both Rocky Essien and Marcus Peters, that allows you to have flexibility with either playing Marlon Humphrey in the slot if you want. You can put Kyle Hamilton there if you need to. Pepe Williams seems to be, at least I would I would anticipate, Pepe, Pepe Williams seems to be the guy that has the default over that position right now. I think he showed flashes, also showed a lot of a lot of rawness. You know, he, he definitely has a lot of room to improve based off what we saw. I think one was it the Dolphins game. I can't remember what game it was, but he was targeted in one of those games by, I think it was the Dolphins. I can't remember, but it might've been that game. He definitely did have a couple of not so great games. Also showed the flashes. I would anticipate if nothing else happens, or if the Ravens bring in just one of Rocky Essien or Marcus Peters, Pepe Williams would be the in-house guy. Maybe they experiment with Brandon Stevens. Maybe they experiment with Ardarius Washington. That's another name you could look at. But that that's a that's an overarching question. I think the, the first huge question is, what are they going to do at corner? How is that corner room going to look? Because to me, that is, I think, the biggest weakness still of this team right now, 100%. And then another big question comes at the edge position. What are they going to do pass rush-wise? Who's going to step up pass rush-wise? Right now, what that room looks like is it Afe Owe, David Ajabo, Tyus Bowser, Tavius Robinson. That those are your four right now. It does follow the path I kind of have had outlined for them, though. It was to have those three in Ajabo, Owe, and Bowser, bring in a young guy, and then a veteran. That veteran to me seems like the no-brainer. The the lock is Justin Houston. 
I would like that move. He showed he obviously still has something in that tank. Obviously, you got to manage the snaps if you're the Ravens. But to me, the big question is, can Adafi Owe have a breakout year three? I always go back to the Tyus Bowser model of what his career arc was, where sometimes it takes time for these guys. And I know Owe was a first-round pick. There are expectations and high ones on him, and rightfully so. Last year was not a good year for him. It was a disappointment for a lot of different people. I'm sure it was a disappointment for him. And he wasn't able to kind of get those sack numbers and really turn the corner. But for Tyus Bowser, he really, really, really struggled in those first two years. And then you kind of say, well, what happened in that third year? And I go back Tim Williams. For those who remember Tim Williams, Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser were in the same draft class. Both of them really struggled. Tyus Bowser, a second round pick, Tim Williams, a third round pick. In that 2019 season, Tyus Bowser really started to show some stuff and Tim Williams did not. Tim Williams got cut within the first two months of the season. Now, I don't think the Ravens are cutting it off a hill if he doesn't perform in the first two months of his third year, but it will severely hinder the defense if Baltimore can't get the production there. We'll put more pressure on on David Ajabo. It'll put more pressure on Tyus Bowser. Maybe Justin Newsom has to play more if he's re-signed in that situation. The Ravens absolutely need a huge year from Anafe Owe. You know, uh, 10 sacks. Like, they need a big year from him. They need him to establish himself. He has the traits. He has the abilities. He's been working this offseason. They need him to step up. That, to me, is a huge, huge question. And then a question we talked about yesterday. If you haven't checked out that show, again, highly recommend that one with Spencer Schultz. But what happens with Patrick Queen? What what is his role this year? Is he on the team? Is he even on the team in 2023 here? Is the Ravens decline his fifth year option on Monday? And now it's a question of does he play with the Ravens? Is he, does he get traded? I think this is definitely his last year in Baltimore. I do not think they re-sign him. In fact, it's pretty much set in stone at this point. It take it take a lot to, to get him back in Baltimore after declining that fifth year option. Spencer said he heard yesterday through the grapevine that he was asking for about 15 million per season which again, they just can't afford to give them if that's true with what they gave Roquan Smith, that five-year, $100 million contract. They draft Trent Simpson with the 86th overall pick. I think Queen stays. I'm, I'm going to maybe provide an answer to the question, at least what I think is going to happen is I think he does stay. But to me, I don't know. I think that this is definitely his last year. I think that's fine though. You know, I think it, it's fine for Baltimore. It's fine for Queen as well. I think it actually works out for both sides where the Ravens can still have him play in that defense next to Roquan Smith. We saw the ability there. And I think Queen can help himself in terms of getting his value up and signing a really good deal. And then the Ravens, if they let him walk, which again, I'm sure they will, will get either a third or a fourth round comp pick back based off of his performance and what, what deal he signs. So those are some of the questions I'm trying to think right now, if there are any more, and if you have any questions, you know, you can put those in the comments below on YouTube. You can, at me on Twitter as well, because I'm sure I might have missed one or two in this sequence. Those are my big ones in terms of where the Ravens still have to address things post-draft. Also, I think for John Harbaugh, is he going to be able to have a really successful year? And the health question is always a question. You know, how will the new training regimen, new training staff, strength and conditioning, how will that all impact things? And can the Ravens have a healthy season? So all those in mind, again, if, if you have a question that you have for this team after the draft, be sure to put that in the comments below and, and I'll be sure to respond to those and get your insight on what you're thinking about the Ravens so far. But coming up in our final segment, we'll do more draft class analysis here. Again, we're still fresh off of that. So be sure to stay tuned and ton to dive into on the show.
We are back here. One more segment of Locked On Ravens on Wednesday. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in here, being with us, whether you're an everyday or you listen five days a week, or this is your first time or your first time in a while coming to the channel. Thank you so much for dropping by in video form or audio form, wherever you're listening today. Be sure to subscribe, both in video and audio form. It's the same show, both audio and video, and absolutely free. No money involved here on Lockdown Ravens. Again, just five away from 4,000 on YouTube. So if you're in audio form, you want to head over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, turn notifications on. We also have some YouTube exclusive content over there in terms of shorts and whatnot for analysis on that. So it's a fun time on YouTube. It's a fun time in audio form, and I appreciate all the support here on Lockdown Ravens. It's become up on my 1,000th episode, which is coming up in a, a, a very short time. I want to do something special for that one. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But here, now we're going to talk about the draft class a little bit just kind of continuing in the analysis of the class for me, I think Zay flowers is the headliner. And I know Spencer kind of talked about it yesterday on our show. Again, a ton of great insight from Spencer, but it seems like this was a class that was for the future. It didn't really feel like Baltimore had necessarily immediate. Well, they had a couple obviously, but necessarily like tons and tons and tons of immediate needs. They needed to check off the box and every pick had to be someone who needed to start day one. They didn't need that. Zay Flowers is going to play a lot. You know, is he going to be a starter? Depends what Todd Munkin rolls out, whether it's three wide receivers start. But again, the, the whole notion of a starter in the NFL for most positions doesn't really matter at this point anymore. I mean, starting quarterback, obviously, but I mean, guys are going to play. You're going to have rotations. Zay Flowers is going to play a lot. You know, for Trenton Simpson, I think if Patrick Queen stays, which I think is probably the most likely the scenario and what the Ravens end up doing, what they should do at this point, he doesn't have to play a ton. I think he could. You know, he's a chess piece. You can utilize him all over the field. But we saw the trajectory of what Patrick Queen's career was. Obviously, I think he's a really good player now. It took him some time to adjust. He really needed some time to adjust. He was thrown right into the fire. The Ravens, they they had a need. Inside linebacker was a massive need for them in 2020. You know, they had just lost C.J. Mosley, and they needed a linebacker. And the Ravens, they take Patrick Queen, and they said, you're going to be in the middle of that defense. We're going to start you there, and this is what it's going to be. <laughs> and they, they kind of gave him the the – green dot they experimented with that and i know the green dot again like i think ravens fans make a huge huge deal out of it and you know we, we talk about it here a lot where other fan base is just like cool like whatever <laughs> no one cares but you know they they gave him that for a little bit and i think you know for him he had to come in and really adjust to the game and i think i don't i don't, I don't want to say it stunted his growth or stunted his development because i i don't think it did i just think it took him a little more time but trenton simpson what you have now the luxury you're doing in baltimore is making sure that he can adjust at his own speed. And I think for a guy like Simpson, who you're trying to really figure out where does he fit best, where can you utilize him that works for his skill set, throwing him right into the fire, I think is not the best. So with Queen and with Smith, you can still play those guys. They know what they're doing. They can play off of each other this year and a year that really feels like it's a Super Bowl year for them. That like, you know, it's like they're pushing their chips in as Spencer called it yesterday but it's not like they have no future after. Like, I think it's, it's an all in year in the fact that they're trying to win this year. Like they're really, really, really going for it. But if they don't win this year, it's not like it's all over. It's not like all of a sudden they have to rebuild and tear it all down and trade Lamar. Like that's not what it is. They can still reset and retool and go back at it. And that's another thing I forgot to mention the Odell, the Rashad Bateman health, you know, that question, but I guess I did mention that at the, at the end of the second segment there, but regardless, I think for Trenton Simpson, doesn't have to play immediately. Tavius Robinson doesn't have to play immediately. You still have Adafi Owe, David Ajabo, and Tyus Bowser, plus Justin Houston if he comes back or a veteran. Caillou Blue Kelly, I don't think has to start immediately, especially if they bring in 
uh, Marcus Peters or Rocky SC. Now, if, if they don't, I think there's a different question there. I think Kyle Blue Kelly actually out of all their draft picks has the most likely path to snaps outside of Zay Flowers. I do that. That's maybe a bold prediction. I know some people might say Trenton Simpson, but I think Kai Blue Kelly can make an impact. A four-year guy at Stanford is around the ball a lot. Again, only three interceptions at Stanford, but 20 plus pass deflections during his time there. I think he is, he is polished and he can play. And I think Trenton Simpson, someone who you just want to ease along a little bit. Not, that's not, that's not like any shade or anything to Trenton Simpson too. I think he will play. And I think he will make a couple impact plays here. But I think it's in the best interest of his career to maybe go out there in a little less frequency because we've seen the Isaiah Simmons of the world, the Zayden Collins of the world in Arizona, and those guys were thrown into the fire with no real role with, with traits, and it didn't work, and it just has not been good for them. So that's where I think maybe Kai Luke Kelly can make more of an impact. And then Salah and Andrew Voorhees, I don't, I don't anticipate Voorhees playing definitely, and I don't think Salah plays, I think. It's a redshirt year for both for different reasons. Where he's obviously with the uh, the injury, and then I think Salah just with the rawness of his ability. So I think for Zay Flowers again with what with that trio of Odell and Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers, that's a devastating route running trio. You can do a lot with them, but this draft class was not for this year. I think at least at least personally, I think a couple of guys will play. Obviously, Flowers is going to have a role this year, and I think he will produce for them. But they didn't have to address every single need. I just, I really don't think they liked the corner class, honestly. Like, I, I really just don't feel like they did. Joey Porter Jr. was there for them in the first round. Keely Ringo was there for them in the fourth, or I guess in the third, not in the fourth. But he was there too. They just, I just feel like they didn't like that class and they felt like they got really good value. I also did in some instances too. You know, I, I think that Kyle Luke Kelly was a good value pick. Trent Simpson was a good BPA pick where a lot of people had a second round grade on him and honestly thought that he was the best linebacker in the class. I know Jack Campbell was the first taken, but a lot of people like Trent Simpson and his ability there for he's was incredible value. Incredible. I think he's going to be a starter for the next year. I really think that whether it is on the left side, just maybe it doesn't work out with the guys they have now. Maybe it's on the right side. Maybe it's because Kevin Zeitler ends up calling it a career or, or, you know, he's not on the team next year. So to me, the Ravens, I think, did did a fine job, even though we might not see a ton of contributions this year from the rookies. I mean, look, the Ravens had 11 rookies last year. It's time for those guys to step up. I know, obviously, Tyler Beatty didn't work out. I think the undrafted class, the two that I'm really, look, really looking at to make the roster, Keaton Mitchell, the Ravens keep four running backs. I don't, I don't really know if that's the case. I, I feel like they keep three, and then Mitchell's on the practice squad. But Keaton Mitchell and Dante Demas, the wide receiver from Maryland, those two, to me, that's that's another question, I guess, is how, who, how many undrafted free agents make the roster? That's another one. But we'll get into that conversation. I want to do an episode on the undrafted free agents at some point, trying to get someone for that to, to help me break that down with me. So I think that'll be exciting when we get that. But th- there's a lot to like about this team right, right now. I think the roster is very set for the most part. Obviously, still some holes to fill here. And some questions. Guys have to step up. Guys have to stay healthy. This is the this is the NFL, though. It's people are going to get injured. It's just the nature of the game. It's football. It's physical. You hit people and you get hurt. That's what happens. But I think to me, the season hinges on health. It always does. You know, you can win a Super Bowl without health. It's very very hard to do that. So I think the Ravens again. They they got depth at necessary places. They got a couple of guys who can contribute immediately here, and a couple of guys that you can just kind of see what the traits go. They were a very trait heavy team this draft. It felt like that was their plan and has been their plan 
over the past couple of seasons, getting guys with a ton of traits. So we'll see how it works out for them. But there's still plenty to like about this team for sure. But thank you for tuning in. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Again, be sure to subscribe to this channel on YouTube and in audio form. And be sure to follow along as well. So be sure to stay tuned for more of our content. We'll be back with more Ravens content tomorrow. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow.